A big thank you to our sponsor, iFixit, who fights for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She'll teach you how to make it all alright. Hey there, hi, my name is Mercury, and I'm the trans handy ma'am. My pronouns are she, her, and I teach compassionate DIY. We're here to help renters, LGBTQIA members, and anyone who's feeling left out in the DIY space. Hey everybody, my name is Mercury Starbutt. I am the host of the Handyman Hotline. I'm not here this week. I am taking a break. We're filming, we're filming this, we're, we're recording this weeks in advance because I hopefully hit $1 million for trans healthcare by trans people for trans people. And I was on a 30 hour live stream, maybe more. And I need, need to take a break. So I'm going to take this week off. But here's the thing. We do a patron-only podcast after show, pre-show, <laughs> which is very confusing, but it's confusing for us too, every single week. So after the regular podcast is done, about another 45 minutes of the podcast is played, and it's typically me, Maggie, talking about the world, life, financial struggles, business struggles, sometimes they're goofy stuff, sometimes they're really serious stuff, but it's just me, Maggie, talking, and Matthew too. Um, so we're going to play some of the best stuff for that. So. Without further ado, do please put your hands together for the best of Handyman Hotline Podcast. Ah! Yeah! Explosions. Okay, bye bye. Mercury Starbutt. Cover me in butter, all right. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Thank you for tuning in. I am joined with my co-host, Maggie Conrad. Hey, everybody. Maggie, you're awesome. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, my God, Maggie, you're amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah! Oh my god, Maggie, you're amazing! Woo-woo! Woo-woo! Yeah, Maggie! Wow! Testing, testing. I don't know why whenever I get the headphones on me and a microphone in front of me, I'm always like to hear you like so close in my ear. I do. I do. <laughs> and you can see you standing I, right there. Hey, uh, thank you for uh, going to Mercury. Uh, we should do like some ASMR uh, yeah, whispering. Yeah, really. That'd be great. No, the, some, like, nails. The, the, hold on. Wait. The, okay. This thing. Yeah. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> 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 we've, we've, we've both watched way too many live streams on TikTok. <laughs> There's that one person that um, they have the <laughs> longest nails, and they just like caress, <laughs> <laughs> caress the microphone, and they're just like, yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming. Yeah, you're doing such good. You're so good. Why does it feel sexual? <laughs> I don't know why, but it always feels like 
it's aftercare, you know? Like, it always feels like they, like, beat me with a stick. (laughs) And then they're just like, good good girl. You did such a good job. (laughs) It's so funny. I don't know why. But every time it's like, oh, thank you. I'm a good girl. (laughs) I feel like we should, like, record these few minutes beforehand and oh, put that on patreon this should definitely go on patreon <laughs> for the subscribers all the subscribers are like yeah this is what i paid for yeah uh, after hours mercury <laughs> not safe for work mercury this is mercury the fart cast <laughs> oh thank oh god i ate god. all those beans last night <laughs> oh, oh, beans beans the more you eat the more you toot 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 beans beans I don't know how that goes. Musical fruit. The more you eat, the, the more, more you toot. toot. The more toot. you toot, the better you feel. So eat your beans at every meal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Have you ever realized how unearthly uh, hip we are? We're so hip. I had all of the friends in high school. Yeah. No, I was really cool. Yeah, me too. You know, like I remember yeah. one time I wore women's pants and I got made fun of so bad. Mm. Like. I remember, like, no one's going to know. Who's going to know? Like that TikTok song. <laughs> Who's going to know? No one's going to know. No one's going to know. They're going to know. <laughs> they and knew. They knew. They knew. And they made fun of me so hard. It was these three girls that were literally two grades below me. I was, a, like, a junior. They were freshmen. And I got roasted so hard. We were at Subway because Subway was, like, right down the street from our high school. So we could just have Subway for lunch most of the time. We could go off campus. And I was in line ordering a chicken teriyaki, like I do. <laughs> um, if you ever want to just buy me one and send it to Fancy our pants. office, you can. <laughs> um, buy me a Subway gift card. <laughs> <laughs> but all that being said, I was in line. And then uh, three girls behind me were just, they were like pointing at me. And mm. laughing and snickering, and I remember being like, "Never again!" And that was the f- the la- the first and last time I experimenting yeah. with any type of expression outside of the norm for probably like fifteen, seventeen years. Man, yeah, it's really fucking weird how those things will stay with you, and you don't really realize uh, yeah. why they're staying with you. And then, like years later, like an iceberg of knowledge mm-hmm. of yourself kind of gets unearthed and you're like oh trauma yeah <laughs> i didn't know oranges could go bad i don't know if maggie ever heard that story <laughs> no no i used to live when me and matt lived together at one point in time i <laughs> i put oranges when i moved in into the cabinet above like mm, the fridge mm-hmm. and when i moved out four months later they were still there and I didn't know oranges went bad. <laughs> I grew up on a farm, Maggie. I grew up on a farm. I feel like I should know when produce goes bad. Mm-hmm. But I, for whatever reason, I was just like, I'm just lucky to be alive. Uh, and I, <laughs> I uh, went to the cabinet to get myself an orange. <laughs> and all that came out was just a dust of orange. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was I've like. It was the moldiest thing ever. It was just orange pores. Just, 
Oh, it was bad. <laughs> it was like a fairy. It, it was like a fairy godmother that just vanished. You know what I mean? But instead of like giving a pumpkin and a bunch of mice to take you to a Cinderella story, I just got mold. And I, ever since then, I cough like I have painter's lung. You know? Oh. And Matt came out of his room right when it happened, and he was like, "What happened?" And I was like, "I don't know. They did the orange gold bad." <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. I was looking through TikTok not that long ago, and someone was talking about those 1981 uh, souvenir cups that you can get from McDonald's. McDonald's mm-hmm. you make, would make those glass cups from like the late 70s mm-hmm. until the mid-80s. And they were talking about them and like pulling them out and showing them them in like limited edition. And they were saying, yeah. This has lead poisoning in it. It has a very high oh, amount shit. of lead poisoning in them. And then I looked at all of them and I realized I had nearly half of them. Oh, my God. This is true. I have a bunch. Yeah. The reason why I collected them was because when I was growing up, I, I was only allowed to drink them on Sunday. Uh. So Sunday was I could drink. My only soda of the week was a root beer and I could get chicken from... You know, our local diner. And we would get chicken every Sunday um, for lunch and root beer. And I could drink out of that nice, fancy cup. And I would get like three cups a year. Mm-hmm. And into my adulthood, I would see them at antique stores and go, oh, my childhood. But I've been collecting poison. Oh, no. <laughs> and they have like very high amounts of lead poisoning. Oh, shit. Very high amounts. Like, I, I'm amazed the things that did not kill us in the yeah. 80s. Yeah. It's- no, everything has my name on it, and I hate it. It's like it's true. It, it, sometimes I hate that we named the the business Mercury Stardust Media Aww. because it's so like ugh. It makes me like roll my eyes every time <laughs> really? I see. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. It's cool because my name is a sort. I mean, that's cool. But yeah. like, I it, it once now it's all worn off. Now I'm like sometimes I look at it and go, oh god, I sound like an asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so much. Well, I mean, we could always change the name but down the line, and just, or create... just imagine if everything was Maggie Conrad. What yeah. if it was? You know what I mean? Like that just, would be really weird. You're staring. Maggie Conrad is not a fun name. You're, sta- <laughs> <laughs> you're staring back at it all the time. Yeah, Do you know true. what I mean? Like you're like signing something, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, Maggie Conrad Productions. Oh, that's great." You know what I mean? Like it starts like like yeah. it takes on different meanings. Well, we can always like you know how we have the DBA for Five Star Tees and Mercury Stardust under the umbrella of the LLC. We could always mm-hmm. create another DBA about, and then always use that. How about we're called the Tees Factory? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds like another porno. <laughs> That's why I started recording this because you were making up porno names. Here we are again. I'm I'm partial I'm partial to Tease Factory. I think that that is that is a great. I don't, I can't believe I've never thought of that for like a burlesque show. Mm-hmm. I I've been doing this. I've done like 800 performances, 15 years, and I just now thought of the Tease Factory. That's amazing. <laughs> that is such a right good, at the end. Right at the end. <laughs> And then you find out it has salt in it. And you're like, what the fuck is this, you know? Um, 
By the way, don't put salt in your cookie. I think that's a terrible idea. A little bit of salt on top of your cookie. A little is bit really good. Wait, a little what? Bit of, what? A little bit of kosher salt. Whoa, on whoa. your cookie while it's still warm. I oh, feel like I just got so double good. teamed by Matt and Maggie. <laughs> they were both like, whoa, 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 whoa. You absolutely can put salt on a cookie. Yeah. Well, way to shoot my analogy. Not too much though. You're right. You don't want too much salt. Way to put my fucking. You don't want to overpower. Way to put like shoot me right in the foot with my analogy, Maggie. I was like doing a really good time. It was a great analogy. People were learning a lot about content. <laughs> creating and then mercury just decided learned that co- cookies gonna have salt on it apparently yeah. you gotta admit though my number on friday was the sound i mean it was ma- very good i was like pretty, pretty now i know mad. why you were mad at me for distracting you while you were working yeah, on that i was like working on the sound and it was like voice is like the stuff with my dad and the stuff mm. with like me being on tv and stuff yeah. and you're sit, you're standing there asking me all these questions while I'm in my office, obviously working on something. <laughs> the problem is, is so much of my job is on my phone. Yeah, and you can't I, tell when it's work. Or I not. think a lot of people just. I'm very rarely doing not work on my phone. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I am always checking. I'm always communicating. I'm always yeah. emailing. I'm always messaging. I'm always doing something. Now that the show is over, it's going to be a lot easier. But like. Yeah. But, like, I was on my phone working or even editing video. I do editing videos all the time. Yeah. And I edited videos and I give up on them constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 25 to 30% of all the videos I ever shoot, I never I never release easily. That's a lot. I knew it was some. I didn't realize it was that oh, much. Oh, Maggie, if we're ever, like, low, yeah. just go back through my phones and look at all my drafts. <laughs> Tons. Okay. I am like, the only, only thing is, is I don't like them. I get yeah. mad. And I'm like, I fucked this up. I fucked this up. I don't like Aww. that. Maggie, it is crazy how many times I fail. And the ones I get out there, yeah. they do, you know, the ones, if they fail out there, I get even more mad. Because oh, I'm like, Jesus You're fucking Christ. so hard Christ. on yourself. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's tough because, like, if I don't think I can keep watching the video, then I don't think it's going to do well on mm. TikTok. Mm-hmm. The snug plug video, I knew. I knew it was a home run. Like, Did you? Oh, fuck yeah. I was like, sleep. It was the, the jury, the luring skulls effect. You mm. know, she told us when we had our meeting with her yeah. online that uh, the best video she's ever done is when she's sleep deprived. <laughs> and here I am. I'm like 22, 23 hours into sleep deprivation. Yeah. And I'm in makeup. I've been makeup for 10 hours. I'm doing all this stuff to try to get ready for the show and do, you know, film stuff and yeah. working on the studio. I'm just like fucking tired as hell. And it's like eight o'clock in the morning. I had been here at the fucking studio for almost a full 24 hours. Yeah. And then I was like, well, you know, we can film this real quick. And then I, I, as I was filming it, I was like, oh man, this is, this uh, is it. home run. <laughs> this is a fucking home run. And there you go. Two million views. Home yeah. Run. That's mm-hmm. funny. Now knowing that about Jory, like I, now that I watch, I think TikTok knew that we had a meeting with her because I've seen her like literally like every other video I, on my time. I my think feed. it's hilarious and because every time I watch her now, I always think, oh, she looks tired. Yeah. Now I can see. I was like, oh yeah, see, see that. See oh yeah. She saying. looks like she has to slept for 30 hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, Every time I see a video go viral, I'm always just like, how many hours have I sleep? (laughs) (laughs) She's so funny. Um, But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with everything. Is that like, I I think that that video did really well because of, um, you know, you just, when you're that tired, you got to be, you got to really think through what you want to do. You got to simplify, simplify, simplify. 
um, you, I overthink shit all the fucking time. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that sometimes the best videos is just not overthinking it. Yeah. Keeping it simple, keeping it straightforward. Um, I saw a lot of videos recently where content creators were talking about like, you know, um, how you don't want to do, you don't want to make it look fancy. You don't want to do a lot of editing. You don't want to do a lot of lighting. Mm. And I, I agree with that, but I also disagree with that. Because, like, I think that it depends on your niche, and I think people really think yeah. need to remember that, is that if you got found because you did lighting and editing mm-hmm. and whatever, if people started following you because your videos looked a certain way yep. and you did a certain thing and you're talking a certain way, then that's what you need to do to replicate that success, mm-hmm. right? You need to remember that. Because if you are like Hank Green and you're just sitting in a chair and having a good yeah. time the entire time, well, then the audience knows what to expect. Yeah. They're making a snap decision. They're not only making a snap decision on Hank, they're making a snap decision on like, oh, this looks familiar mm-hmm. to a video that brought me comfort. Yeah. But anyways, uh, you know, like, it, 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 that's what they find with Hank Green. You know what videos don't do good with Hank Green? When Hank Green's outside. Mm. Or Cause they're not used when to him he's being... wearing a t-shirt. Yep. I've like thought about this a lot with him. That's so funny. Yeah, because he's always wearing the hoodie. You're yeah. right. Always the hoodie. Because there's a comfort that comes with yeah. it. There's a comfort. Just that's why the familiar. videos that do the wet best for me are almost always in my overalls with flannels with a, with a, with an LED background. Yeah. Almost always with a tool. That's true. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. That's why I spent This is hours. why you're so good at what you do. Like, the things that you think about all the way through. I know you overthink things, but you also do think about things, like, that that grab your audience and that, you know, create that feeling of warmth, the fami- familiarity. And- There's two locations that will work for me that I have found. And you can change it up. You don't need to keep, keep it stagnant. But if you're looking for you know, success at a high level, which mm-hmm. is sometimes what we need as content creators if we're trying to do brand deals and et cetera. I think it's important to to know what works, right? Mm-hmm. And I think going back to the drawing board and really analyzing your top 10 videos yeah. and really seeing what did well. And remember, it isn't always the content. Right. Your content could be mediocre and your words that you're saying could be mediocre. But... But if something about the video brought them comfort, mm-hmm. it's comfort food. Yeah, that's what that is. And I know I'm comfort food. It's not people who don't watch my videos to learn all the time. Yeah, they watch my true. videos to feel a little bit better about their life. You know what I mean? I think it would be asinine to think that that only thing we're selling is knowledge. We're not. We're no, selling I mean, comfort. I, I see it in the emails and the messages and every. You know, I'm reading all of these you know, this feedback that we get from the community. And part of it is you've helped me with this. You've helped me learn to do this. I did this amazing oh, absolutely. thing. But then the other half, and I would say like probably half, yep. is you make me feel seen. You make me feel safe. You make me feel comfortable. You feel like yep. a family member. It's like, all feel. It's yep. all I exactly. feel. It's all I, even the people who are learning something, I feel safe enough to learn. Yeah. I exactly. feel this way when I watch it. And that's what we're trying to do. So yeah. when people say, hey, you don't need this, this, or this, and this, I would say you are right. However, if you are trying to make a feeling, yeah. then you need, to be in, you need to be aware of how that feeling is happening from you, right? right? Like, I'm creating a feeling with the lights, yep. the color scheme, 
the mm-hmm. tools in the background, and all those kind of aspects, right? Um, and I am trying to make sure that people feel safe visually, right? So they can feel safe when they hear the words coming out of my mouth. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's why, like, a lot of your videos lately have, um, almost brought back a lot of that. Like, because I've been following you from the beginning too. It's been a long time, and since I have we've noticed had this. that, like, that it. It your the feel of your videos definitely harkens back to like when you were first starting, and like that that feeling of comfort and safety. Because like I knew a lot of the things that you were teaching, mm-hmm. but I I loved watching you anyway because of the feeling. So we haven't <laughs> had that LED workshop background yeah. since like August, yeah. right? And because you know what, I was moving around doing mm-hmm. all this stuff, and I this is why I've been so hell bent. On making that corner in the studio yeah. work because yeah. I knew this is the bread and butter. Mm-hmm. This is what it is. It's hard to articulate that. Yeah, it's hard to say. No, 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 no. Trust me, this is going to work. This is the most important thing. And the thing. first <laughs> fucking video I do in this video in the studio that has everything I need, mm-hmm. the first video goes viral. Yep. And then the second video of me sitting in a chair just doing the Menard song goes viral. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's funny that that worked but it's also like that's exactly how that works yeah you know what i mean and also keeping it's not just the 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 environment it's also how that's shot too it's like you know the hook is what's wrong in your home Mm -hmm. so the hook is like the 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 the, the outlet not working the hook is there's a hole in your wall the hook is your toilet's not working you show that before you show me because now we're trying to show you a problem and then the second hook because I think it's a two one two punch. Mm-hmm. It's the first punch, something in your house is broken. Second punch is Mercury's a trans handy ma'am. She's, you know, like very different than any handy person you will ever fucking see mm-hmm. in your goddamn life. You know? And then the next part is one, two, three, four, solved. L- affirmation. Mm-hmm. And there we go. That format works. And I think that can work for other people too. Like I think that that's a really easy and understandable format, and my audience has learned that. Right. Right? And then you have the Ask Mercury series that's whole different. I don't think they have, I don't think the Ask Mercury series is, I don't think I've ever had a video really go viral. Maybe the the cocking video, but that video was so innately but different. they're still consistently really good. Yeah, they're almost always 100, 200,000 yeah. views. And if they're not, they're still really, like, the audience is there. The audience yeah. will always rebound those videos. If they, if it, like, if that, if that video does poorly, in three or four days, that video is going to rebound. Because mm-hmm. the audience mm-hmm. wants that. The audience wants that comfort of me telling someone it's going to be okay. Yeah. Or don't you worry, mom, you got this. Or, hey, you know what? You're doing a great job. They want that. And also, I want to do those videos. I love, you can tell that those are my favorite videos to shoot. You know, um, the Ask Mercury videos are by far my my, my favorite ones. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I'm actually doing direct help. Direct help help one-to-one. Yeah. 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 Where the the how-to videos, like the snug plug video or the drive low videos or the electrical videos or any of the ones I've done, um, how to hang something, right? Those can be so innately different. Oh my god, I already love having them. Both oh. of them. No, having basil is ever. Are we already recording? Yep. Okay, good. We'll do a little bit of pre-show um, warm-up. Um, yep. Sorry for the chewing. <laughs> <laughs> that's I didn't okay. realize we were recording. No, no, that's good. Um, but no, 
having another employee, having Basil around is great. Having Ray is going to make a huge difference, yeah. too. I think that, like, as employers, I think you and I have similar methods oh, yeah. of, like, I will always be fine with um, working with people who are nice and friendly and, and, and on time and just, like, I don't know, like, Basil and Ray are just always good to go, you know, and they're always so lovely. Um, and if we got to ever teach them stuff, I'd rather yeah. do that than anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think like as the Green Bay Packers approach to <laughs> um, building a company. Do you know what I mean by that? I have absolutely no idea. Okay. So <laughs> the Green Bay Packers are a small market, right? They're the yeah. smallest NFL team in in, uh, in the country, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, they, the, the town's 100,000 people. Yeah. You don't get too many people who come out of Green Bay who become professional football players. You do get one or two, <laughs> but you don't get many, right? So you're not going to have hometown heroes. Oh, you're not sure. going to have people who are like, you know what I want to do? I want to spend my entire career as a f- professional football player in Green Bay, Wisconsin, right? <laughs> like, it, you know, and the free agency, you just don't get, yeah, you always got to pay more for free agents. I mean, Reggie White back in the day was like the first big free agent buy. Um, and that was very rare for you to get a huge free agent buy for Green Bay. So the method historically for the last 20 years really has been about drafting players um, or recruiting players in the free agency that are like, you know, I hate to say lower value, but are not traditionally high value players mm-hmm. with a lot of like upside, right? You get either players that are on the downside of their career or you get players who maybe people have overlooked. You know, we famously had Kurt Warner in our practice team for like a week. Um, you know, we had Mark Bugler. Um, um, we had a whole bunch of really large names. I just killed that name. But we had a whole <laughs> bunch of people who have come through here who later on became like Matt Hasselback, um, who were prospects that no one wanted, but we mm. always took chances on people, yeah. right? And sometimes we went on to do bigger, better things places. So the, the what I'm trying to say is that the Green Bay Packers often recruit people who they feel like will put the work in, yeah. will do the work, and then they can work up and then train up, right? Yeah. Where, um, you know, for for them, it's much more about that than it is about yeah. finding the absolute well, and best and then hoping for the best, you know? That's, and not being able what, to keep them. that's what I did um, when I ran. So I ran a, a salon uh, in Austin, Texas. We had multiple locations, and I had about 20 employees. And I built a training program. For the salon, like, obviously, I wasn't an esthetician, so I used, you know, the the guidance of um, the owner and our top esthetician and created a training program because, you know, our theory and my, like, thinking was I would rather hire somebody because they're a great culture fit, because they're a really amazing person, and then teach them how to do a really great job and see the potential in them, you know, because, like, like, half the time... You know, waxing isn't actually taught in schools. Um, so we would get people who were really, really good at waxing, but then were like not great people, not great, you know, teammates, not great employees. Like they weren't as kind and compassionate as we wanted them to be. You know, like our culture was very much one of, um, you know, compassion and, and empathy and to us, that was more important. So I was like, I will spend thousands of dollars to train somebody to do a good job if they're the right person, right? Because like, yeah, that was always more important to us. So a hundred percent, that's like that's a harder thing to do. 
You know, I think yeah. it's a generally harder thing to do. But yeah, no, I think training within yeah. is the way to 100%. go. And to be honest, uh, Basil and Ray, who are actually people we worked with at Five Star Tees, mm-hmm. our weekly burlesque show that we ran for a while, um, Ray and Basil both came on halfway through this last year mm-hmm. and were just like life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, additions to the show, like mm-hmm. you know, just rechanged everything from like the attitude of the show and having people that are just like willing to roll with the punches, you know, because a weekly show yeah. is going to require patience mm-hmm. on a whole new level because a lot of it can go wrong, people can drop out, yeah. cast members can get sick. There's just so much things that can happen, and not to mention you got you know. Audience sometimes are not always as polite as you want them to be and, mm-hmm. you know, problems like that. So you have Basil and Ray who are basically the ones who deal with all those issues. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just think it just says a lot about your character if you can make that work. Yeah. And if you're willing to just roll with the punches and mm-hmm. mistakes are going to be made. But, fuck, you know, I'm going to always support people who show me love and, yeah. and, 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 and compassion in those moments because that's fucking hard. It is. It's hard running a show and. Yeah, could... and I always trusted Basil. Like, you know, I didn't work with them in person as much, but obviously we had our weekly meetings and we were always in communication. Um, but I, like, trusted their decisions and, you know, anything that would happen, especially when we have, like, you know, pretty strict COVID rules and things like oh, that. Oh, my God. Um, And, yeah. Yeah. I've never once doubted their capability. Yeah, and Basil um, is a registered nurse. So, mm-hmm. like, we always relied on them for COVID precautions and yeah. stuff, too. And now having them in the shop, I always feel a little safer. Like, last night, um, you know, I, Maggie, you've seen this. The audience has not seen this yet. But I did a garbage disposal video that I'm very proud mm-hmm. of. Did you watch yeah, that? I did. That was a very clean video. It looked great. Really well-productioned video. But to get that key stuck in the garbage disposal. I was wondering about that. I was like, she did that. I know she put that key yeah, in there. <laughs> I had to purpose. So I threw a bunch of stuff in there and then I just rang the garbage disposal. Oh, right. Shit. So then I put a block of wood on it because it's garbage disposal has no. Yeah. This one has no gasket or anything. So right. there's a chance that it could shoot out and be a projectile. Yeah. So I put a piece of wood on it and then I clamped it there and then I put oh, it nice. behind the wall and then I told Basil, just be in the other room. And then I'll let you know. I'll, I'll you'll hear me screaming if there's something really wrong. <laughs> so we had the first aid kit ready, yeah. and just you know all these major precautions. It would not mm. absolutely. There's no way anything would go wrong. But on the off chance, you're always about safety. Though. Yes, I mean I try to be. Sometimes I forget the video I did with Bob the Drag Queen recently. Mm-hmm. We were punching a hole through the wall. We should have been wearing safety glasses. <laughs> That's true. Uh, someone wrote in the comment section, someone was just like, um, Mercury, I'm so scared you're going to lose an eye. <laughs> because also at one point, Bob double-fisted the rage. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and just like went at it. And he's just like slamming in there. I'm like maybe a foot away yeah. from the rage. And it was pretty fucking funny uh i just like took a step back and i'm like okay bob <laughs> like okay <laughs> okay bob Bob was having after that first hole punch i could tell that she was having the best time of her fucking life yeah um and it was a lot of fun but yeah no yeah. with the garbage disposal we just made sure the basil was in another room and mm-hmm. it's just nice to have a, a registered nurse you know <laughs> um making sure that at least i'm protected to some extent you know mm-hmm. we could always be better but i think basil won me over at five star tees like the first week we worked together because i came a little late and they had food for me Aww. and they had a drink for me and they just made sure i got something in me yeah and that's the thing You're like so 
I'm not good at that. I'm not really good at those, those like very obvious self care things when it comes to food mm-hmm. and drinking water and whatever. When I get into show mode or I get into production mode, Maggie knows this. Mm-hmm. I can work 10, 12 hours straight and not really think about it. I'll like lose track of stuff. Yeah. Um, but with baseball around, it's it's a lot nicer. We have a little bit more Good. of accountability. But last night was an exception. I worked here until midnight last night, um, about maybe five hours after Basil left, mm-hmm. because we had a lot to do. You know, we're doing that sponsorship with iFixit, so we had to have the stuff there for that. Mm-hmm. We still got to get a video for iFixit sometime soon, and stuff like that. So, like, yeah, there's always those, you know. Yeah, Mondays and Tuesdays are going to be the busiest days. Yeah. And then if I can commit to those being 10, 12-hour days, sometimes 14-hour days, I'm fine as long as I get five, six-hour days the rest mm-hmm. of the week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I that's how I like to work my schedule. I'm a, I am like to hyper-focus because ten hour, five, um, five nine-hour days or five eight-hour days just don't work for me. Right. They just don't. Because in maintenance, it just is not how it works. You work until a job is done. So my mm. for my for fifteen years, my mind has always been Yeah, you're you work until the job mode. is done. So yeah. it's very hard for me n- to disconnect that. And mm-hmm. I do have some unhealthy working habits. Um and I work weird ass hours. I say that I'm <laughs> second shift because I come in like mm-hmm. late and then I work late. But I often work, you know, pretty late. Today was the first one and I'll be the last one out. Yeah. You know. Um, but that's okay. You know, it's again because I don't want to be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'll be here tomorrow, to be honest, though. Uh, <laughs> I'll be here a little bit tomorrow. I won't really be here too much Thursday. I'll be here a little bit. And Friday, I have something going on Friday, but I really don't want to be here mm-hmm. on Friday and Saturday. And yeah. Like well, and I've been actually taking Friday afternoons off because you were in the show and I yeah. wanted to be available in the evening if anything came up and you needed me. Um, so I pick Izzy up at like 3.30 on Friday. Mm-hmm. So like. My mom was like, "Is Mercury gonna be okay with you taking Friday afternoons off?" I'm like, "What? Like, yeah, this she doesn't just, fucking care." That's not really how our business relationship works. <laughs> no, because the, the the like the way that our business relationship works is that like the the way that our business works is we work when we work, yeah, and the job gets done. Mm-hmm. I don't really keep track of my hours. I know you don't really keep track of your hours. We just kind of yeah. work, you know. And um, if I'm not in a good place, I'm not in a good place. And I don't expect anybody to work a specific set of hours all the time. Yeah. You know, just make sure the work gets done. And if you need to take, I'm not going to punish you for it and pay you less. I don't know. Well, that's what, like, that's what I set up with Ray and um, Basil, too. I was like, you know, whatever, unlimited sick days because, like, you know, either get the job done or delegate it to somebody else. But, like, there is a max. You don't have a set schedule. (laughs) I don't want anyone working above how much I work. Exactly. Right, and yes. I think that's where the tone is set I, yeah. to some extent. Where I would prefer if everyone just would do forty hours a week. I don't know if we're always there yet. Yeah, I definitely know that there's no way I can just work forty hours a week right now. Mm-hmm. We have so much going. You know, um, I know everyone else is working twenty. I don't know what you you think you work. Um, I mean, I I have childcare nine to five Monday through Friday, but you know, like sometimes, like yeah. I was working this morning while Izzy was watching cartoons and. You know, last night yeah, I was like had my laptop out when we were doing when dinner was cooking in the oven, you know, like I, I try oh, my best really... when I'm thinking about a job, like when I'm thinking about a task or I'm thinking about a video, I like a, like an idea. I mm-hmm. try my best to count that time, but it's hard yeah. because that time is not fixed. Mm-hmm. You could be in the car driving to hang out with friends and then all of a sudden you spend 30 yeah. straight minutes thinking about the job and 
that's the thing. You should be counting that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't know, a lot of this is creativity, and you just don't get to put a time limit on creativity, yeah. and you can't always prevent when that's going to happen. Well, and, like, my job schedule, schedule quote, finger quotes, whatever, like, um, I haven't really had a schedule in my job since I was a teacher, which was, like, I think I quit teaching in 2015, 2014. Um, so I'm kind of just used to working like, you know, whenever I can and like taking appointments when I need to or taking time for myself when I need to. And like, you know, sometimes opening up my laptop and weird hours, you know, like I, I can't always be away from home on weird hours because with the with the little guy. But, you know, like I, I'm similar to you in that, like I just do the job when it needs to be done. And try to make sure to take time for myself yeah. in the process. I, I try to put a max in, yeah. right? I try. You know, some weeks are going to be easier than not. But, like, mm-hmm. to me, the 60-hour max thing is really important to me right now. Yeah. Because I don't think you get much work done after 60. Mm-hmm. As someone oh, who... God, no. I worked more than that at one point. There yeah. was a hot moment where, our, where in order to pay the bills, I had to make massive overtime to be able to pay any bills. Mm-hmm. You know, I had so many payday loans... And my back pocket. I don't think I've ever talked to you about this, but I had so many payday loans. I had, I owed about twenty eight thousand dollars in payday loans in about oh, wow. a year and a half, two year period. And there was one month where my entire paycheck went to payday loans. And you know that interest rate is like three hundred eighty six percent. It was like a mm-hmm. high, but I had no choice at the time. You know, no credit card was going to work with me. No, mm-hmm. you know, my yeah. credit score was like four fifty. And I just, I, I, I couldn't even pay the bills. So one month I just decided to like, in order to do the show I wanted to do, in order to make things happen, I needed to just not worry about next month. Yeah. And when you're queer and you're trans and you, you're not really sure if you're going to live week to week to month to month. And that's how my mindset was, you know, five, eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You're not really worried about next month. You really just want to worry about now. Mm-hmm. And if next month is harder, well, maybe you don't make it the next month after that. That's how... That's how, like, mental illness affects you. Yeah. So I made that call to do all those payday loans, and I think I, I ended up getting, like, about $6,000, but ended up paying about 28000 30000 Shit. Yeah. On a $6,000 loan? Yeah. But it, it wasn't one, though. <laughs> oh, sure. It was a $1,000 loan, $2,000 oh, sure. loan, $3,000 loan, $500 loan, and I just, I went all of them. I went to every single one I could get, and I, that's how I paid yeah. rent one month, and that's how I, like... I took care of it for a few all the while. But like each loan is three hundred and eighty percent six cents or more more mm-hmm. depending on who you go to. To this day I get um mail from payday loan companies mm-hmm. um asking me for money or being like, Hey, look at this, a lower mm-hmm. interest rate. Two hundred percent. Oh jeez. <laughs> you know, and it's like, Oh yay, <laughs> wow, that's that's so great, you know. But when you look yeah. at it and you're almost four hundred percent. That's why they, I mean, that's why it, experts it, say it's expensive to be poor. And they also, but they also think they, I really do feel like they target mental illness. I yeah. really do. I like, I, I mean, this is, there's a reason why payday loan places are almost always in places where the economy's a little lower, right? Houses are a little bit cheaper. Uh, there's a lot more marginalized people. Fucking yep. hate it. They prey on people. They do. You know, and it is so disgusting. And in Wisconsin, they roll back. A shit ton of those payday loan laws. They used to have really? more. They used to you used to not be able to do this shit. Damn. But in the last seven or eight years, they got rolled back hard. 
And now it's like it's like fucking candy. You 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 take it and it feels great, and then they come back so hard. They yeah. can get away with like doing these things where they're okay. There's no APR for the first two months, you know, and then you feel like okay, I'll take another one out, and then you extend it. Mm-hmm. And boy, I had those payday loans for three to four years, and mm-hmm. it wrecked my paycheck. But but I was working massive overtime. I was like like to the point where I was working like two weeks in one week. In order to pay rent. Mm-hmm. Because the only way I paid rent was if I had overtime. I remember one of my paychecks was double what I would usually get paid. And it was just barely enough to cover me for the month. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The things you learn by making bad decisions. And also, remember, I had no support system at this yeah. time. I didn't have yeah. any friends at this point. Um, besides Matthew and John Danger Rowe. And that was it. That's all we got. There was like none of us were going to be able to help each other. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> you know, like we're all in the, in the middle of an ocean with a lifeguard uh, with, with a life preserver, just hoping no shark mm-hmm. comes. You know, and you're just some of us are are on the edge of drowning a little bit more than others. Yeah. And but how are the others going to help you? You know, it's just it's hard. Um, once again, the stories of struggling with with debt and all that stuff. But anyways, that's beside the point. I always try to think about that as an employer, though. Yeah. You know, I think that, like, what makes a good employer is someone who remembers what it was like to be an employee. Oh, for sure. And I really never want to put any of our people in that place. Mm-hmm. I always want to make sure they're taken care of. And I also don't want to get so big that I don't know everyone's life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to get yeah. to 30, 40, 50 people. I just don't. Yeah. I don't want to get that big. I, I really... I would prefer if we stayed underneath double digits for the entirety of Mercury Stardust Media. I don't mm-hmm. if we get to the point where we're we're killing it and making a lot of money that I just want us all to take home money and just be okay with being as big as we are and right. not have to get yeah. bigger. Because like I, I, I see I someone who worked for our company who has a thousand people. Oh shit. Right? Yeah, being because ETC electronic theater controls was a thousand people. And there was this guy named Fred Foster. He started the company. He has a legendary story about like how he was at a Christmas party at UW Madison as an undergrad, and he um, was there. And a lighting professor for the theatrical department had this really old, archaic light board. Mm-hmm. And um, Fred, who was like a really smart guy with his brother, said, "No, no, no, no! I can make a better light board. I can make a better light board, and I will make it, and I'll bring it here, and then I'll make you buy it." Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, yeah, sure, kid. Fred was like 20 years old. Yeah. For the next year of his life, he got so fucking mad about this. He got so insulted that this guy didn't think he could do it. He built a light board. Mm-hmm. And for the entire year, I kid you not, Maggie, he redesigned the circuit boards and redesigned all this stuff. He made a light board. It was barely done in time. <laughs> right? He, like, he came in there. His shirt was untucked. And he looked like a mess. And he walks in like a mad scientist with his brother. And he's like, hey, motherfucker, here is this light board. And he did it. And the guy wow. bought it from him there. And he's like, okay, I'll tell my friends. And then that started this small company where the mm-hmm. word of mouth got out. And this light board was so efficient and so much better for people yeah. in the world. Because before that, light boards were not you know, computerized. Light hmm. boards were very much archaic machinery that was all mortars and gears and yeah. gadgets yeah not like you know a press a button and a job gets done wow. so much easier so this is 1976 so the next couple of years go by and he starts building you know this is like the um very much like apple like mm-hmm. he's like starting in his garage and his parents and he gets this big deal from disney 
And um, he was pitching it. No one else wanted to work with him because they described him as someone who would rather be sailing than do his, doing his job. <laughs> they described like he's so joyful. He mm. doesn't seem like he actually wants to do this. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So he famously got an executive to come to a hotel room at, at this big conference. And he the night before, he gave up. He was ready to go home. He was like, no one wants this fucking thing. He spent the last four years of his life trying to sell this board, and not one single company other than small colleges want to work with him. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to happen, right? So, um, But he gets this guy from Disney at like 10 o'clock in the morning off of a buffet line in a hotel. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure, whatever, kid. Uh, if, you, as you really, if it's as good as you say it is, I'll give it a look. And then Fred looked at his brother and said, go and clean up the room. Because he had underwear everywhere and it looked like a fucking mess. And they were, they were drinking all night. So yeah. everything was just looked like a shithole. So Fred and this fucking guy walk in and the room just looks like it's trashed, you know. And there was underwear that was hanging on the light board. And like Fred like flicks it off and he's like, yeah, this is the light board. He sells it. He sells it. And that one deal with Disney mm-hmm. in basically revolutionized the lighting industry. Wow. And Disney to this day is the biggest um, purchaser of electronic vehicles, lighting equipment. I think so. Might not be any more, actually, now that I said that. There may be some churches that have a lot more. Mm. But, like, Disney at one point kind of put ETC on the map. Wow. Because they, they, they took that light board and they put it in every single theme park. Wow. Yes. Cool. And that it made the theme park run in a different way mm-hmm. and it changed everything. So I think about that and how Fred was this really kind guy. His mentality was, you know, no one has an assigned parking space. Everybody mm. parks where they park. No one gets in a parking space, right? And I love those kind of things, but something has always rubbed me the wrong way mm. where it's like, okay, so no one has assigned parking, but not everyone gets paid the same. Yeah. And not everyone is really treated the same. And mm-hmm. there's a divide between the office folk and the manufacturing folk. And it's and hard it, to control that when you get so big. Yes, it is. You can't, you can't, you can be the nicest person in the fucking world, mm-hmm. but you are running a machine, a machine and cogs and pieces. And you could be a legendary guy who was one of the, he bought me lunch multiple Aww. times. This is a guy who would, when he was in a line and he saw a bunch of people behind him, he would always pay for everyone in the line mm-hmm. all the time. And he was always kind. But you didn't get a living wage. But we never got a living wage. Honestly, I got paid the lowest amount as a maintenance technician in Jeez. the county of Dane County when we started. Uh, at one point, we br- a bunch of people brought up to their attention that, hey, you know, there's some departments in this company that are below a living wage. I was getting paid fourteen twenty five in 2012, 2011, mm-hmm. and that was $5 below the average rate of a maintenance technician anywhere wow. else. Right? It was bad. But they had the same rates for years because they went through a pay freeze in 2002 and they just never changed because Jeez. they lost so many people at that time. So mm. they were afraid to give raises. But they got to a point where it's like, come on, you know, like I get why you're afraid of it. But like yeah. you got people you're you're not retaining people anymore. People are leaving by the fucking mm-hmm. dozens because this is not a way to live, you know. And the backbone of every company is always the people who are doing jobs you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Backbone of any, you might have some amazing R and D people and some amazing smart people who are making a big, high executive decisions. But let's be honest: the people who make a company really, truly run are the people who are working behind the scenes yeah. and doing jobs a lot of people don't want to do. From the manufacturers who work all day, ten-hour shifts, and only allowed so many bathroom breaks, mm-hmm. you know, and then get yelled at if they talk too long. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. 
But then the office folks, they get to have, you know, Star Wars themed games and they mm-hmm. get to have, you know, dartboards everywhere and they get to have hacky sack. And, yeah. And I get it. I get it. How great that is. But you're not seeing that manufacturing, you're not seeing the backbone of the company mm-hmm. and how they're treated. And almost always the most diversity of the whole company was manufacturing. Yeah. So, like, you you see that it's very hard not to, like, see and go, yeah, even the best people are still running companies are within a capitalist system that is often yeah. undermining people's integrity. Well, the more people you bring in, the less control you have over the culture of your company mm-hmm. because you're relying on other people to, you know, to perpetuate that culture down the line and... You know, if you've got a thousand people, they probably had like, you know, a hundred managers or whatever, like 200. You can't control or like, you know, be one on one with all those people enough to make sure that you're on the same, you know, level with them. So, I, you know, I I 100 percent agree because I think that like, you know, we we have similar values as far as how we want the business to be run where like, you know, everybody's getting paid the same and there's profit sharing and, you know, that there's transparency in the finances and you know, all of these different things. And, um, and that's just, it, it's hard to continue keeping the culture and the, and to me, what's so important is like the empathy and the compassion in everything that we do. Um, if, if you've got too many people in, you're, you know, below you yes. that you're relying on to do, to feel the same way as you. Fred, um, 100%. Fred was a a one of a kind person, yeah. right? I'll tell you one story about Fred, and then we'll start the podcast, right? But Fred was the kind of guy where we had about three hundred eighty six different light fixtures, all electronic theater controls lights mm-hmm. that were hanging up in the uh, the ceiling of like thirty six to forty feet up in the air, and we had this beautiful like town like theatrical like flats um in the building it all looked like a theatrical set piece because mm-hmm. we're a theatrical company so when you walked in you know Times square is right there it's just this mm-hmm. beautiful and the whole space was um made to look like the nighthawk painting mm-hmm. the famous nighthawk painting and um the use of light was very similar it was just this beautiful space someday maggie i want to take you there mm-hmm. um but and but it was my job out of everyone in the whole company, my job to maintain and to take care of all the theatrical lighting equipment. Mm-hmm. And it was my favorite thing in the world. You know, I was a maintenance technician, but I got to work with lights and hang all these lights. Mm-hmm. But one night, um, it was like three or two in the afternoon. This was not early in the day, right? My shift gets done like at seven. Um, Fred comes in me and he always wears Booker and stocks and he wore, uh, you know, button down. He always looked like he probably wasn't a CEO of a, of a multi-billion dollar company, but he was. Yeah. And he came up to me in Birkenstocks and he said, Hey Mercury, um, I would really like if you were able to stay tonight to refocus all the lights. We're having a big meeting this week and I just wanted to look really good. And some of these lights are kind of out of focus. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, cool. And then Fred was just like, okay, well, what time works best for you? And I said, um, you know, if I leave now and I can kind of maintain the rest of my week, that'd be nice that I can work like five, six hours for you mm-hmm. and I can work between like 11 and whatever, if you really want me to, you know? And Fred was like, yeah, sure. I'll see you at 11. And I said, cool. And then I looked at him and I said, wait a minute, what do you mean you'll see me at 11? And he's like, well, I'm not going to ask you to do this and not do it myself. Mm. And I will never forget that. 
Like, that changed my life. Yeah. A CEO, he had no reason to be in the lift with me. He was in a lift going 40 feet up in the air. Oh, wow. And Fred refused to wear safety toes and a, and a um, hard hat. We were going up, <laughs> and I said, Fred, I'm legally not allowed to let you get into the goddamn lift without the fucking uh, hard-toed shoes mm-hmm. and a hard hat. And Fred looked me in my eye, Maggie, and said, what am I going to do, sue my own company? <laughs> and like you can't argue with the guy yes boss you can't argue with the guy um so yeah i mean that, that was fred and i learned a lot from him and then unfortunately he died of of cancer mm. about a year before covid um and it was devastating and then the company shifted and changed a lot and then yeah. i left right after you know like six months of covid and yeah. i was gone and um i think for me the biggest lesson i took from him was um being kind and compassionate and being a leader who could inspire people to do great yeah. things. Because I think he did. I think he did. I don't think he always saw that not everyone felt the same way. Yeah. But I do think he ultimately tried his best. And I mm-hmm. do think that that matters a lot. Yeah. And But I do think the max is that is a thousand people. I don't think you can do that with yeah. 10, 15, 20,000 people. I oh, just God, don't. No. You know, I, I just don't. I, I think you get a lot more people like Elon Musk. I, I, mm-hmm. I just don't. Who 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 have this whole fantasy story made about you, but there's no way you're actually able to make people <laughs> feel seen and loved. There's yes. just no fucking way. Yeah. Because at some point, everyone is looking out for themselves because they're old cogs in the machine and they know that yeah. someone above them is is a cog in the machine and someone above them is a cog in the machine and all the pieces don't want to be in their current spot. They all want to be in a different spot. Mm-hmm. But not all of them are designed for the same function. And that's what happens at, at big companies is gears try to change places with other gears or different <laughs> gears leave that, that system mm-hmm. and it doesn't work the same. Yeah. You just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I, I, I just don't get it. I will never understand large companies and why everyone gets paid at a different wage. Mm-hmm. I just won't. If you're someone who runs a business, I really would um, encourage you to try to have a much more communist approach to running your business. Oh, yeah. I would, I would really encourage you to. I, I, I'm not saying it's the best route to go, but I, I will f- say very strongly there are different ways to run your business mm-hmm. and you don't have to be a capitalist and you don't have to be someone who thinks about money before anything else. You just yeah. don't. You don't have to also make huge sales to make it all work. Mm-hmm. You just don't. There's ways to make it work in the modern era. Well, and I think, you know, part of like not owning a business and not being, you know, so heavily capitalist about it is that you're not always, you know, the thing about capitalism, it's always striving for more, 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 bigger, 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 right? And like you said, at, for us, it, there's going to come a point where we're like going to look around and we're going to say, no, this is good. Yep. You know, and that is in and of itself anti-capitalist because we're not going to like continue to grow past a point where we're comfortable just to make the money. You yeah. know, like that's. Yeah, there's a there's this mentality, I think, where if you don't keep growing that you actually die. No, that's not You true. know, and I also think if if you work within the stock market market and you're a public company, maybe. Yeah. You got a bunch of people who will like uh, have a share of the company and mm-hmm. and they want to make sure that their shares keep going up for an investment. the investors. I fucking hate that yeah. shit. I hate it. <laughs> and every single person I, I meet in business is someone who's like, they just reek of decisions that hurt others. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And like, oh, God, we were at this really big conference at one point that I think Maggie knows what I'm talking about. And we were there and every single person who I shook their hand, I just felt like I shook a hand of somebody who like 
Mm, yeah. Who was making a decision to make more money than eight other people at the company. Yeah. You know, and, and just, oh, it just irks the <laughs> shit out of me. Um, I don't get it. And here's the thing. You don't need to make the exact same. But you, you got it. You got it. I want you to think about yourself very clearly. If you've got someone cleaning your toilets mm-hmm. and they're not making a wage that you would clean the toilet for. Yeah. Rethink that pay, my friend. Well, especially like bare minimum, everybody should be making a livable wage for their area. Yeah. Bare minimum. Yeah. And then people are going to be like, well, you got to make sure the profits are in. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's not my fucking job. That's your job. <laughs> you know what I mean? And. Like, that's how I feel, right? Like, you and I are the ones who are worried about that. It's not their job to work for a wage that they can't get by for for a company that is barely getting by. You find a way to make it work. And here's the thing. If you are someone who's making four to five times more than the person on the the lowest end of your company, Mm -hmm. then, I don't know, there's probably ways you can make it work. Oh, my God. (laughs) So many CEOs out there are making, like, 300 times, 500 times. Mm -hmm. Because there used to be a law about that, that the highest paid person in your company could only make so much more than the lowest paid person in your company. And and like a lot of things. they got rid of it. Yeah. And and who got rid of it? Ronald Reagan. (laughs) God damn it. Okay. On that note, let's start the podcast. And for those who are listening, um, it's ending the podcast for you, starting it for us. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. The theme song for the Handyman Hotline was written by Rody Walker. The questions were picked out by our production assistants, Ray and Basil. And the sound was engineered by Matthew Allen Hag. Thank you for listening. See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Hotline, you can listen to an even longer version by supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, $10 or more, you'll be able to get an extra long 30 to 45 minute section every single week. Isn't that amazing? More of me and Maggie. Wow! So thank you so much for all those who already support us, and you too can support us and listen to more on our Patreon. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us keep the pirate ship alive by supporting our sponsors, the wonderful iFixit. They fight for your right to repair and mix really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides to make your life a little bit easier. So grab your hammer.